It showed me it can happen to anybody. Okay, we are live, and this is lesson 8Q, or something. Z. Z. E. Uh, I'm excited. This is going to be a great class, and uh, we have Nehemia here, and uh, that makes it a godly class. Oh, I keep telling people, when he reads the Word of God, I believe it. <laughs> yeah. It's as simple as that. So it's a reenactment of the voice on the mountain. It is. It, it is. Reading, like, or something like that. That's right. Really good. All right. So uh, for those of you who are listening at home and uh, possibly stuck in Gastonia, we are uh, we are in uh, end times for dummies and somewhere in lesson eight, and we are doing timeline recap number two. And I am so grateful, not only that Nehemiah is here. But that Micah is here. Mm -hmm. So we're going to work this. We're going to work this. And uh, we may have some sparks. So uh, as, uh, as you know, I've been co-teaching this with uh, probably my best friend, Scott. This, this, may, this may dissolve the relationship. You never know. <laughs> it's uh, end times discussions that that can do it. You know, church split. That's right, a church split kind of thing. So, on uh, what we're looking at on recap two, page forty of your study guide, if you're following along online, is the covenant of one week. That would be the seventieth week of Daniel. It's seven years long. That's on page forty. And then on the next page, you've got page uh, forty-one. The uh, a lot of things, and some of it is included in the day of the Lord. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm poking fun, but I think that uh, <clears throat> Scott's going to see where I'm coming from here in a minute. So what I'd like to do, especially for those who are not here, is I'd just like to run through this real quick and kind of give those who are listening online just a little bit of an understanding of what we're looking at in case they're in a car and they're not looking at it. Uh, so basically, uh, as usual, we've color-coded our references so that uh, you can see where there is consistency and sequential illusions to uh, steps in time that are consistent in some of these uh, some of these writers. I have tried to codify, if you will. What we did on the glass table last week. So, what I've come up with, and in, in, in basically I've taken everything that everybody put together, I've adjusted a couple of things, and I'm looking for some great discussion. So, I know you guys are looking at your Bibles, obviously, or, or your phones to read the Bible, and I get that. If you're uh, trying to check the races at Aqueduct or, uh, you know, the Third race at Belmont. I know you guys have no idea what I'm talking no, about. Then no. put your phones down. Otherwise, let's uh, no, let's walk through no, here real quick. Um, the covenant of one week that would be seven years, uh, as we uh, learned as we studied Daniel. That's in black on this page. We've got the covenant with the many for one week at the top. That's from Daniel, and we have the anti-Torah man from Daniel. That's the person with whom they make this covenant. Uh, Isaiah tells us later on that they understand eventually that this is a covenant with death. It's a big mistake. 
but they made it. We then see, according to Matthew, an increase in lawlessness. And then in Revelation, we see a conquering warrior, peace is taken, and then there's famine. Thessalonians says that apostasy comes, and a restrainer, or the restrainer, as it were, or is taken out of the way. And finally, again from Thessalonians, that man of lawlessness, or that anti-Torah man, is revealed. This brings us to the middle of the week from Daniel, where the sacrifice is stopped. So we learned earlier that the sacrifice in the temple was allowed to be started again from where it is right now, not happening. And this uh, lugubrious political awesome guy convinces the world it's okay to let the Jews kill innocent animals in public pour out their blood on the altar. I think, I think anyone would have trouble convincing the public to allow someone to do that, even today. The social justice warriors would go nuts if you want to kill little baby lambs, that, you know, and that kind of deal. So that's what uh, allows him to uh, covet favor, as it were, uh, with the Jews. And then in the middle of the week, he says, ha, 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 ha. I was only kidding. We're not doing that anymore. And uh, at this point we get, I believe, from the scriptures in Malachi, Elijah the prophet. From Revelation, the two witnesses. From Matthew, the preaching of the gospel to the whole world. All coming because this lawless one has been revealed. So there needs to be an offset to this, as it were. The Master said that the abomination of desolation stands in the holy place, as we uh, presume from Daniel that uh, we've got some type of uh, abomination happening uh, on the altar or in the temple if there is one. Then the Master from the Olivet Discourse tells us that the intense persecution of the faithful begins. The discerning are going to take flight because they listen to what he said. Revelation says that death and Hades and martyrs begin. And this the Master called a time of great tribulation such as the world has never known, and will never know other than this. It's the worst it's ever been. Towards the end of that great tribulation period, there's an earthquake, an eclipse, a blood moon from Revelation, wonders in the sky and on the earth, signs as it were, according to Joel, and signs in the heavens according to Matthew. These are all the same thing. And then, those days, in quotes, are cut short. But we know that there's been a decree from heaven itself that this second half of the week is going to be three and a half years. It is going to be 42 months. It is going to be 1260 days. 
So what is it that is cut short? What days are cut short but the great tribulation that the Master spoke of? The Master said, that's the beginning of the end. And it's at that point that the Son of Man comes on the clouds. We get that from Matthew. The Son of Man is described in his coming in Daniel. And the Lord descends from heaven in Thessalonians. I think you can see how the scriptures are coming together to give you a picture of what is happening. We'll flip the page just to continue. Everything that you see at the top half of this page happens in the book of nine. All of this is pretty much at the same time. Deliverance of those who endure, according to Matthew. That's the Master saying that. The gathering of the elect, according to Matthew. The dead in Messiah Yeshua will rise, according to Paul and Thessalonians. Those who are alive to remain or survive from this great tribulation are caught up together with the Lord and the dead who have risen in Thessalonians. The prophet Ezekiel said that Israel's dead is resurrected and Israel is gathered to the land. In chapter 7 of Revelation, a multitude that have come out of the great tribulation show up from every tribe and tongue and nation. At the same time, 144,000, 12,000 from every tribe of Israel is sealed on the earth. And according to Joel, deliverance is provided to whomever calls in the name of the Lord. This is all the same thing described by seven different people over a 1,500-year period. And then, and I'll stop with this, according to Joel, judgment is delivered on the nations. And that judgment is described in extraordinary and replete detail in Revelation. So, that's the deal. So back to page one. My hope is that as you've studied with us up to this point, you understand that I didn't pull this out of, out of the air. This is not out of whole cloth. This is what we found. I think the question becomes on, on page 40, the first part of this recap. I have, and, and I think Scott it would potentially disagree up front, and I'm going to make my argument now, that the beginning of birth pains, or pangs, by the way, just as an aside, for those of you listening in Gastonia, if you want to read Isaiah chapter 26, if you guys want to have your uh, audio Bible play that to you on the way home, there is no other place in the Word of God where birth pains appears. But birth pangs, which is what I thought it said, does appear in Isaiah chapter 26. And I believe Isaiah 26 will give you a recap of the timeline that you've got on the piece of paper in front of you. And it does mention the birth pangs. And it's extraordinary. I was surprised. I never saw that in all the study we did. Um, anyway. So the, the, the question I think that uh, Scott, and I'm not trying to put words in his mouth, I'll give him a chance to speak here in a second, because, um, you know, obviously we've been going over this together. 
birth pangs and the beginning of birth pains, as it were, is in a dotted line box. And Scott and most commentators would have you believe that that's three and a half years. It's the first half of the 70th week. The second half is the second half. And the Great Tribulation, I also have in a dotted line box. And I have both of them in a dotted line box because we don't know when they end. So for the Great Tribulation, we know, and, and actually Scott taught me, that this time of Great Tribulation is what must be cut short, that the Master is referring to. It cannot be the second half of the 70th week, because that time is decreed by God for Israel, its people, and its land. It can't be cut short. It's three and a half years. That's done. So let it be written, so let it be done. Boink. So what is it that the Master says in, in chapter 24 of uh, Matthew? That is, these days shall be cut short. And if not, there might no flesh be saved. But for the sake of the elect, these days shall be cut short. What days? Well, it has to be the great tribulation to, to which he had recently referred so that's why I've got that as a dotted line, because we don't know really when it's going to end. It's going to end when the master blows the whistle and says, everybody out of the pool. I believe that the beginning of birth pangs is exactly the same way. And Scott, I'm going to toss it over to you now by saying, I cannot find a timing marker such as you and I have been looking for that would tell me that the birth pangs that to which to, to which the master was referring in Matthew 24 ends at the middle. Um, I have put on this chart everything that he referenced, and then some. But I can't say it's three and a half years. He described certain events and mm -hmm. said, "You know, you think it's bad, but just like a new dad." And new mom with a pregnant mom. This is just the beginning birth pains. Um, so that's why I shortened it. What do you think? Well, it, it, uh, it, it clearly can't be any longer than three and a half years. Absolutely. Correct. So, so perhaps your box extends all the way out to the three and a half years, but with the understanding that it could be shorter than this. I, I, I can't disagree with that at all because sure. there is nothing that says that the beginning birth pangs will last for three and a half years. Good point. It's just the it might make it easier if I bring it all the way out since I just arbitrarily stopped it there. Right. Okay, good. Good. So I, yeah, so I don't disagree with that at, at all. Okay. So the restrainer being taken out of the way seems to be a heavenly move because the Satan can't do all this nasty stuff that he's been given opportunity to do until that restrainer is taken out of the way. Now, whether it's right at the moment of the midpoint or slightly before, I, I think we're, we're splitting hairs that we don't need to mess with because this class is focused on sequence, not substance. Okay? So, I'm done with my soliloquy. So, comments, 
or anything like that, because if there are no comments, we're just going to close up and go home. That's all there is to it. What do you think? You haven't been here. Does it, does it look cool? It does look cool. I guess what I was going to ask about is um, where, are you seeing, where are you seeing Elijah coming in at? Well, that's a great question. Um, and I, I want to credit Gregory for this. I had uh, Elijah the prophet and I had uh, Joel in parentheses there. Mm -hmm. um, and actually... What it was is in the study, in the chapter where we studied Joel, mm -hmm. I brought in the reference in Malachi that says, before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, Elijah, Elijah comes. And he will turn the yeah, hearts yeah, yeah, of the yeah. fathers the, back to the hearts of the yeah. fathers and the kids and all that. Yeah, it's exactly right. Yeah. I included that in the study guide. Mm -hmm. But when I put it in here, Elijah the prophet, I put Joel. Yeah. So, you know, Gregory's pulling me aside a couple of weeks ago and going, psst, psst. Elijah's name does not appear in the book of Joel. You're a loser. Move on. <laughs> he didn't say that. No. But I went back and realized why I had, I had put it in the study guide to begin with, and it was a reference to Malachi, which we did in the study of Joel. So I put Malachi here, and uh, it appears... As you're going through the text in Revelation, that the anti-Tora man, the beast, whichever part of Revelation you're reading, mm -hmm. is now in charge, and he's been given an opportunity to kick some butt for up to three and a half years. And he's kicking butt on you and I. In fact, he's kicking butt on three groups, two, two groups. One, uh, Jews. And the second, as you'll see in chapter 14 or the back end of chapter 12, are those who keep the commandments of God and, and yep. hold to the testimony of Yeshua. Mm -hmm. So it, 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 if, you, if, you, if you think about it, um, it's really those that are are looking to the scriptures for their for their daily walk. Mm -hmm. And in both Malachi and in Revelation, there appears to be some type of proclamation of the gospel that is unmistakable. It happens three ways. The first, we know from Joel, that Elijah the prophet has to come. He came the first time. Mm -hmm. That was kind of weird. The guy's name wasn't Elijah, but he was in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Okay, I can work with that. The second time, here in Revelation, Elijah <clears throat> must come before the Messiah or the Mashiach comes. Mm -hmm. The second reference we have is these two witnesses we look at what they are allowed to do, and they are allowed to do it for three and a half years, yeah. their, their miracles are actually simply a comp compilation. It's, you know, it, it's, it's like we're watching reruns on TV, mm -hmm. right? So you've got everything that Moshe did, and you've got everything that Elijah did, 
Now they're going to do it again. Yeah. But they're doing it now as a team. I bet they're laughing and, you know, it's like Abbott and Costello. Mm-hmm. Ish. The third, uh, the third thing we have in in this, I think, middle of the week proclamation to those who still can be saved is this uh, angel flying constantly around the world and proclaiming the gospel of Messiah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think in 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 three ways, in three different places in the scripture, because that is in the, you've got, uh, this three and a half years is really in the teens in Revelation. Um, and then you've got the, the fold back, if you will, that says, all right, well, let's, let's, just, let's just review that again. It doesn't say this, but this is what it's doing. Let's just do this again, and let me tell you the detail down on the planet, right? So we've got this beast, seven heads, ten horns, blah, blah, blah. And you got another beast, and he's the mouthpiece for this guy, and yeah. he can make stuff happen, and, you know, and all that. Well, that's, that's simply a recap of what we've already read, but we just had the high level. So now we've got the Reader's Digest version, and we've moved into the details, so, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so in three different ways, in three different places in the Scripture, God is making it clear that no man would be without excuse Mm-hmm. You have heard the gospel. And as Paul put it, I don't care whether you've seen the general revelation that the heavens declare the glory of God mm-hmm. and his handiwork, or specific revelation. This is my beloved son in whom it's there, mm-hmm. right? It, it, one way or another, whether it's general or specific, you should have no excuse. But just to make sure, I got these guys standing here. They're going to try and kill them, and they're going to beat your butt. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to kill them because I'm going to let you. And they're going to lie there. You're not going to let them get buried. And in three and a half days, when they're stinking, I'm going to stand them up. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to say, Come up here. And you're going to watch them get raptured. Right in front of your face. And then I've got this angel that's constantly going around the planet proclaiming the gospel. I think men will be without excuse. And yeah. and that's that's where I see Elijah fitting in. Um, the, the question about who those two guys are, yeah. I think is a legitimate question. Yeah. They, they, I mean, like you said, I see a lot of similarities. Um, even with, you know, the fact where it says, like, there's going to be wailing and, and as such as you've never heard. Yeah. It reminds me of Egypt. Yeah. You know, when, and so do, said there would be wailing and yeah. gnashing of teeth. And, and, and so do so the, uh, the miracles that they do. Yeah. Right? They yeah. parallel yeah. the plagues, yeah. Which is what Moshe, Moshe did. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I don't think there's any question about who one of the two guys is. It, I mean, according to Malachi, it almost has to be yeah. Eliyahu. Yeah. The other guy, to me, I, I, for it to not be motion yeah. would, would be a diss. And what was funny is, you know, in, in the, on the Transfiguration, that's who he saw. There you go, right? He saw Moshe. We've, and got, we've got additional proof there. Where's Elijah's body? We don't know. And we don't know the same. Went up with the chariot, right? Where's Moshe's body? Yeah. 
Same. Right? God buried him. God buried him. Does God have a shovel? No, he doesn't need a shovel. Good point. <laughs> I saw Star Trek. And there, yeah, okay. that was an early episode. I think it was episode two. Like with Corey, you just opened her. That's right. Yeah. So I think I think Moshe and Elijah uh, fill fill that bill pretty well, and I could argue that I, I think uh, pretty good. Um, the only other guy that I've ever heard in in the running for one of those two is Enoch. That's what I was thinking. Right. Enoch. Or Hano. Same Hebrew. Like translated. Right. Um, never did miracles. Yeah. Never proclaimed the gospel. No. He just was an unbelievably righteous guy. Yeah. Um, I've also heard that these two witnesses represent the Torah and the prophets. I heard that. Okay. So Enoch is out on both counts there. Um, I've also heard that uh, these guys represent Jew and Gentile. I don't know how you get that from Elijah and Moshe, okay. but that could be where Kano could fit in. I think, you know, putting Enoch in there is, you know, you just, hey, move yeah. on. Just, just go with the, go with the guy yeah, that's done this before. I can definitely see Eliyahu Eli yeah. and Moshe. Yeah, yeah. It, so, it sounds good to me. Yeah. So, well, we know, good question. we know that Elijah has to come. Must. Yeah. So he's got to be one of them. Because there's no indication anywhere else of someone else coming. Correct. In that way. So, you know, we know the ministry of those two witnesses must start at the beginning of the second half because they have a ministry that lasts 1,260 days, three and a half years. So it just, to argue that, that one of the two isn't Elijah doesn't seem to have a basis because now you've got to find some other mechanism to get him in somewhere for the day of the Lord. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's just and, and the coming of Elijah, I think, would seem to be signified by something enough that you could put it in the Bible. So, if it wasn't, if it's not there otherwise, then I kind of feel that that. Yeah, it's, it's it's a hard thing to stick somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. Um, Moshe is a guy, right? You know, when yeah. it comes to the Exodus, that's yeah. that's he's a guy, right? I mean, I think there's a quote from Jeremiah. If it's Jeremiah seventeen. talks about the next exodus being will make you forget about the first exodus. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Let me see. Let me see. Real quick, apologies. Did not bring my... I can see it on the right hand side of the page. It's about a third of the way down. I've got a blue box around it. Okay. Oh, you did? But I don't have that with me. It's just uh, in my head. Oh, okay. I got you. know you. what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, yeah sure. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> I see the highlights. Yeah, That's yeah, what I yeah. see. <laughs> right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. So while you're finding yeah. that, other comments on this? Yes. You said that the other witness. Then, wait, wait. This, this, sounds, this sounds like an accusative statement. It is. It is. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> You said that the other witness could be Enoch? Actually, I don't think he can be Enoch. Well, I think he can be anybody. But I I personally believe it's Moshe. 
I think Mr. Scutrini said that others have said it could be. In fact, he's the only other so guy. I did say it. I did say it. I don't know this guy. I don't. I've so, never met him before. Okay, so, and I'm not picking this part. What's, what's the argument? Wow. For the I, argument for Enoch is because wow. Enoch, to the best of our knowledge, never died. Right. Right. And Eliyahu never died. Never died. So they both have to come back because it is appointed to man once to, to die, die and then the judgment. And so these two men have never died. Right. We know the two witnesses do die. Right. So, so this could, this really, that truly is the only That's the reason. only argument that yeah. I've heard as to why, why they would fit. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds pretty cool to me. I don't know. Yeah. But if, if you look at what they do and, and their witness and everything, it is so consistent with Moshe. Mm -hmm. and Eliyahu, and Moshe's, nobody, it's not just that Moshe was buried by God. If you look in Jude, you read about it like a spiritual little altercation going on, this whole smell of smoke and stuff like that, um, but you've, you've got angels that are disputing, I'm quoting the scripture, over the body of Moshe. If somebody can find that for me, that'd be great. So it doesn't sound like I made this up out of whole cloth. Micah thinks I made it up. I, I, I get that. It sounds kind of weird. But they're disputing about the body of Moshe. How could they dispute about a body that is rotting? Is that verse, how the actual verse goes? Uh, verse we'll 9. Know, we'll know in a second. But Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moshe, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Son-in-law thought I made it up. No, no, no. I was asking. Yeah. That's all I know how to search. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Good. Other comments on this? I have maneuvered things around a little bit since you guys uh, did your white pieces of paper on the, uh, on the, on the glass table. Is there any uh, objections? Team captains, anything? I have, uh, this is, I don't, it's not on here, but I've always wondered, and I just read it the other day, came across the, the verse from Yeshua again, where he says, as in the days of Noah, yes. so will it be when the Son of Man returns. And that's always been very odd, because how many illusions seem to go back to the Exodus the days of Noah seems to be an interesting comparison. How would you describe the days of Noah? Very, very lawless for the majority of the people on earth. Well, okay. That's good. I mean, if, if you were to put all the people together and then pull out just the righteous ones, I think it'd still be close to 100%, right? I mean, if you're rounding. 100% were laws. 99 point whatever yeah, percent, yeah. right? Um, so we see the lawlessness aspect here. Um, <clears throat> I, I do think that a forsaking of God uh, and if you're ignoring the fact that he's the creator is also another weather of that area. And that happens here as well. Okay. The uh, uh, you're looking at the context of you know, this is Yeshua was referencing the days of Noah, mm -hmm. 
and it's in our, the same chapter that we were, that we were studying in um, where he makes that reference. And the, the reference seems to be talking about the, from a timing standpoint between judgment and deliverance. And the point that he was making was on the same day that judgment started to be poured out on the earth, deliverance came to Noah and his family. And it's interesting, if I could uh, inject, because um, you're exactly right. The, the focus is on the day, and it mentions that very day like three times in, in one paragraph. So the focus is not as much Noah, although that's important, as it is the timing that I, I slammed them and drowned them. But at the same time, at exactly the same time, on the very same day, I delivered those. And I think that's important. I think it's very important because that's, yeah, huh? So that's the key here, right? That when the, when the master blows the whistle and says, everybody out of the pool, he delivers those and judges these. And it's the same day. He begins to pour out his wrath. And before that happens, he pulls his people out. And that's what that next page is all about. You've got a whole lot of scripture. Because, I mean, all the blue, orange, green, uh, maroon, and red is all the same event. Throughout the scripture, bam, they're pulled out. But the very next line is the very next thing, and it's the very same time, judgment, according to Joel, upon the nations. And then we get into these trumpets and these uh, bowls and so forth uh, that are pouring out. Is it, are, we in, are we in bowls at that point, or are we still on trumpets? We're on trumpets. We're on trumpets. Which I think... I, I believe, that's another thing I think we, we might disagree on, that I think the seals are describing this time where the anti-Torah man is given sway over the world. But I believe that when those trumpets start, it's because my father's mad. My master's had enough. And when I look at... at the front page and what is going on during the seals, I see happenings on earth. When I look at what happens with the trumpets, I see happenings that happen from heaven onto earth. A third of this is burned up. We're going to take out a third of that. And to your point, I feel like I'm reading motion in the Exodus. And Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. Even, even replete with, you had three messengers. One stays behind with Abraham. Two go to Sodom. Right. And then you have judgment and deliverance in same the same day. day. That's exactly right. I yeah. that. When I hear, or when I think about the horns yeah. and destruction, I think about Jericho and the fear that you must have. From um, the sound. From the sound. Yeah. That piercing sound of attention. Yeah. that this is upon you. And as that is happening, 
destruction is being delivered. Destruction arrives. Yeah, and absolutely. Judgment arrives. Yeah. And I, I can. I think that whole sounding of a horn, sounding of an alarm. Yeah. At the time and now. That's cool. That's good. On the front page, we see <coughs> that things are happening on the earth, and they appear to be happening by the people that are on the earth. Here's the guy on the horse. Well, I don't care what horse it is. This is causing the issue. And if you go to the, the fold over, as we're calling it, in the repeat of this period of time, uh, after you hear about the seals, in the back end, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 18, um, we're talking about the beast. And oh, you get the, oh, you get the mark of the beast on your, on your forehead, your hand. Well, it's just telling you what's happening in this first half. Or, or I think we're in the second half of this uh, 70th week. All of that is happening on the earth by some entity here. Whereas those trumpets, mm -hmm. and we'll see later on, the bowls are, I, I see a, an escalating vengeance of God. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, you know, I, I, I hope you notice there, I've got the locusts are woe number one. A third of mankind dies from a plague, and that plague, if you read about it, is pretty ugly. That's woe number two. You will never find woe number three. And yet, prior to this, it says there are three woes. That's your homework, is to find the third woe. It is there. It just doesn't call it the third one. But I think these woes are related to God's final wrath on the world. This is where he is answering the question in Revelation chapter, I'm going to say, 7, with the souls under the altar. When? When, O oh Lord God, are you going to... Six? That was close. Do I get credit for close? Oh. Yes. Revelation chapter 6, God says, you know, they, do you have the, the reference? Just read that out loud for me, Josiah, please. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altars the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness that they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge and avenge our blood on those who go on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellows, fellows of and brothers, should be complete. And there you go. Mm -hmm. So this, I believe, he, he is paying him back. You know, I'm from New York. This is this this is. I got you. This is this is the uh, what's it called? The Redeemer of the Blood. The who's 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 the guy that goes after somebody who kills somebody. The Avenger. The Avenger, Avenger of the yeah, Blood. Avenger that's what blood. the Avenger. That's what we're talking about. That's what mm -hmm. I'm talking about. You know, God's going to spank those guys. You had a comment before I skipped you. What's up? Uh, just to. You guys be glad I'm getting old. You know what I'm saying? I forgot. Oh, great. <laughs> I, will, I will. See what you did. Is it, is it in the water, Joshua? What is up with this, man? I will. You probably forgotten. See, well, there it is. Well, I mean, I mean, right now, I'm just 
you can literally see um, just how mankind is treating the word of God right now. And I mean, I, I, I saw this earlier and I didn't know how viable it was, so I didn't want to mention anything. I didn't think it was viable, but it, this headline from February 5th, 2019, it says, Nebraska set to criminalize biblical teaching on sexuality and marriage. And then it's a letter. Um, it's a whole thing. That it says LB 167 prohibits licensed counselors from providing talk therapy on sexual orientation or gender identity change efforts to adults. Classify this type of counseling as child abuse for minors. Simply talking with a counselor or pastor about feelings, experiences, and relationships that may change or diminish same-sex attraction or gender identity perception would be illegal. It is, I don't, I'm not surprised at all. In 1961, two, three, we told God we didn't want his Ten Commandments on the walls of our schools anymore. Mm. We, we don't want to tell our children that they shouldn't steal. Because I don't have an answer for that. But we didn't yeah. want to tell them that. Isn't that something? Or, or that there is a higher power. Because we don't want to offend our neighbor. You know what? If you've got a substance abuse problem, you can learn about a higher power. But if you're a normal concert B-flat American, no. the teachers cannot even discuss that. It, we're going to hell in a handbasket, and we're being FedExed there pretty darn quick. I'm glad it's not an overnight trip. Did Somebody you read paid for second day air. Thing or uh, the thing from Ben Stein, the thing Ben Stein wrote, it was related directly to that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, he wrote that two, three years ago. Did he? Oh yeah, yeah. Ben Stein's. Has everybody heard a uh, single post we made about uh, godlessness in our country? Ben mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was a really interesting uh, little blurb he wrote about he's, how he's we, so gentle. You know, he's he's got the oh, he's not gentle at all. The, that. He's got the opposites <laughs> in there that make you just go. He begins referencing how we, like Dad said, we remove God from schools. We remove all these things, and we wonder why the children of our day. Are like Dad says, going to hell in a handbasket. They're they've denounced that God has any hand in anything, and it was he was bringing up how uh, what, uh, Billy Graham's daughter was being interviewed on national TV, and they tried to bait her with a question of what do you think about all of the catastrophes we've had with natural disasters with the hurricanes and this and that. She's like, well, we told God to get out of our lives, so I think he has, I think he stepped back. And it was really interesting. It wasn't like, oh, God has killed all these people. No, right. She was just very, very wise in the way she said that. So it's just really, it was a very interesting take on our country and what is happening with God being removed from that. It's, we can't blame God for something when we have told him, go away. It's not only that. But if you look at the second to last thing before the middle line, the second to last thing before the middle of the week, when the stop to sacrifice and offerings is done according to Daniel by the anti-Torah man, what is it? 
restraint was taken restraint. out of the way. In this case, God deliberately removes his hand of protection mm. from Israel and from the world and gives the anti-Torah man free reign. Josiah. So I... I can't hear you. I did remember what I was going to talk about, that you mentioned that the seven trumpets were more of an announcement of God's wrath or saying that this has gone too far, this is enough. Yes. I need to deal with this. Mm -hmm. I realized that you could you could bring that back to Deuteronomy or yeah, I believe Deuteronomy where the Kohanim are supposed to blow shofar, shofarim to announce impending judgment or a war or yeah. a battle. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Battle. Nice. I like it. All that stuff. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Joshua. So the seals, when they are open, it describes in the fifth seal the two um, um, souls of those who have been slain for the word of God and for the witness they have borne. Is it possible that these are the witnesses that were killed? Which witnesses? The one by the man of lawless. Absolutely impossible if it's the two witnesses. Okay. If it's just witnesses like you and I, mm -hmm. absolutely. The two witnesses are, I mean, you know, we're always, this whole class has been to look for sequence and timing markers. And one of the timing markers that's most clear about the two witnesses is that they have been allowed or permitted or ordained, as it were, to witness for 1260 days, three and a half years, oh, for sorry. two months. So... As soon as the Antichrist or Antitorah man, whatever you want to call him, steps into the uh, holy place and sets up his own statue like uh, Antiochus Epiphanes did, um, these two guys show up and they are a thorn in his side. But they are, I mean, they, people hate them. It's obvious from the scriptures. In fact, they hate them so much that the description is, it sounds like Christmas, right? When they finally are able to be killed, they actually send presents to one another. The, 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 the world, the people of the world, send gifts to one another to celebrate the fact that the two witnesses are dead. That's, that's a world you don't want to be in. But quite frankly, and I'm talking to you three of you young guys. Well, I'm going to throw Nehemiah in there too since he's young too. <laughs> yeah. If you're there at that time, it's because you've lived through living hell. It's because you've been denied the opportunity to buy or sell. And if you think the Holocaust was bad, and if you don't think the Holocaust occurred, or you don't know what the Holocaust is about, slap your dad around when you get home. I mean that in a figurative way. If you hit your father, he should kill you. So, <laughs> we're back to that. You, I mean, it's... it's just a, I'm pretty sure that's in the Bible. That's right. This is a bad time. It is a really, really bad time. And quite frankly, if you've made it that long, you're the one. Just like we've seen in our own study about the Maccabees, how they were reading the scriptures in, Dan in Jeremiah and thinking, they're, they're talking about us. They may be talking about you. Those of you who endure to the end shall be physically saved. It's extraordinary. I don't think you guys fall into that category because I'm pretty sure Nehemiah is saved. So when the Lord comes, he's going to be evacuated. We don't have really any evidence other than talk, which is cheap, from the three of you. But I'm watching. 
Yes. You covered it. Oh, thank you. It's not an easy place to sit, but let me tell you. It's amazing to think about the, the how this relates to when Yeshua talks about like those who have eyes to see, ears to hear, because what I reread because that was a great explanation of the days of Noah about how and and I was rereading it and realizing oh yeah that's right he he then goes on and lists like these people have absolutely no clue that's right and look how far down that would be. They had no clue all the way through. So a lot much of is stuff. going on, and there's, like, there's so much stuff. There's, li- I mean, there may even at that point be literally angels who have flown around the world proclaiming the gospel, completely deaf, That's completely right. blind That's exactly to right. everything. And and so it's just, it really shows how exaggerated things get at that point. Because right now, it's getting more so. But I mean, we definitely have lived through where lines were very gray. Between, you know, especially when our country was really embracing morality a lot more. I mean, it was hard to tell sometimes. Just had moral people more often, and you didn't really know. But man, things are starting to really go in those different directions, and you just Mm -hmm. see how exaggerated that really is at this time. Where you either have people who are like celebrating because they recognize the signs and know what's coming. Or you have people that are absolutely clueless, completely blind, and completely deaf. The sad part to me is, uh, and and my father-in-law went through this one time, he said, do you have any idea how many people in the United States are homosexual? Of any flavor, stripe, or flavor? And I said, well, I don't know. I'm thinking it's pretty big. And he said, less than 1%. Less than 1% of our country is L, G, P, B, 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 Q, or T. 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 Those of you who knew the letters, you're on watch. That's right. So uh, if it's less than 1%, so, so the media and the social media warriors and Twitter have made a, such a big deal about their equality that they are now what used to be when Scott and I, you guys are young, when Scott and I were kids, you could ask any psychologist, any psychiatrist, you could ask a policeman. This was called literally deviant behavior. Mm-hmm. And in many states, illegal, and including North Carolina, is still illegal. Sodomy, ask your dad about it later, is against the law in North Carolina. It's against the law in New York State. And yet, we've now provided protective rights mm-hmm. to, uh, to people of this stripe. That's a serious problem. Yeah. Because now, as our government provides coddling to a deviant behavior, Mm-hmm. I like what uh, no Paul hope. said in, like, in regard to what you said Paul uh, Paul kind of speaks to this he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 6 through verses 6 through 13 he says I hope you're going to read it louder than that because I got a guy on the other end of here who's deaf alright yet among the mature we do impart wisdom Although it is not of wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age 
who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and a hidden wisdom of Elohim, which Elohim declared before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have sacrificed the master of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Bingo. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the master so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of the anointed. Nice. Thank you. Outstanding. Exactly what it is. Exactly what it is. And that's where we are right now. They're, looking, they're literally looking at the things of God as if they're foolishness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. They're numb to it. It's an epidemic of acceptance. Everything must be accepted. Everything must be okay because there's some, like you say, less than one percent. There's a minority out there that must be accepted for their beliefs or their actions, regardless of how repulsive it may be. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be a problem if everything had to be accepted. What's not accepted is Christianity. Or God, godliness. Godliness, yeah. Mm -hmm. Judaism, yeah. Or Christianity. Even the mix, you get the yeah. I mean, especially those in the middle. Those in the middle, you you're keeping a form of Judaism, and and you believe in the Messiah. Who are you? That's well, right. I, I don't yeah. think Judaism is a. I may be wrong, except for some maybe a congresswoman, but I don't think Judaism is downplayed or looked as badly upon as. Christianity or well, Catholicism is. Well, that's probably only because it's not as mainstream or well known they're by. Not as, they're not as noisy. Yeah, right. They're not. They try to take care of radar. Yeah. We, they got killed last time. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, and I think I think they're also not saying anybody. Well, yeah, that's true. There's there's significantly less evangelism going on in Judaism. Yeah. There's like. There's this interesting thing where, with the Jews, because it's more of an exclusive type of thing, nobody ever feels guilty when you talk about your beliefs. If I'm a Jew and talking to you and you're a Gentile, you immediately like write off, like, oh, I don't even care what this guy's saying. It doesn't bother right. me. But when you are the same from a nationality perspective, we're both Americans, we're both Gentiles, yeah. and then I start talking about godliness, that's where it's the, it hits home. And people just you're don't judging like... Me. Yeah, oh, you're judging me. Immediately, people yeah. start oh, jumping on that. It's because I'm not like you. That's right. impressive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think there's part of that, too. Your beliefs don't apply to me. You can't, you can't judge me for that. Right. Yeah, you, you do that too well. I'm concerned. I'm learning from you. <laughs> 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 I've, heard That's true. I've heard my father-in-law play devil's advocate once. Oh, <laughs> All right. All right. Other comments about our thing? 
All right, timeline here. Scott, are you and I good? You know, yeah. Does it make sense what mm -hmm. I did here? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Are you good? Thank you so much for putting this together. This looks great. Well, very I, helpful. I, I th thank you. That's very kind of you. I, I hope that the, the bottom line is uh, that we we recognize that this is this is not made up. This is literally simply from reading the Word of God. Yeah. Right? And uh, our yeah. next lesson, Lesson 9, which we've been trying to get to now for five weeks, um, is designed to have you blister through the rest of Revelation. And if I didn't make it clear in the lesson plan, it's, as I said to, to uh, Nehemiah earlier, it's just a fold back and a review of what we've already seen. It's just the detail that happens on the planet. So when you've got this beast and what appears to be a television that can listen to you and all of that, actually, my computer can do that yeah. right now. My phone's it. That's it. Phone's it. I mean, hey Siri, what time is it? It's 8.36 p.m. Yeah. So, it's just a, a combo on top of that. Um, I'd like us to uh, take a look, please, uh, if we could. You had a comment, sir? Yeah, I was just going to say that, um, you know, as you just mentioned, this, the, the events that have been laid out here and the order in which they are laid out have come from nothing but our walking through the Scripture and then lining them up mm -hmm. according to what we've seen as they relate to each other and as it's described in the word yet the the church would look at this and say absolutely not this is wrong because these events you're looking for those who are the, the Estonia, top of the page, second page, page top 41. of page 41 uh, the, uh, the deliverance of those who endure, the gathering of the elect, the dead in the sight of Yeshua will arise, those who are alive and, rem and remain will be caught up. The church would say happens over here. Before anything. Before goes, any tribulation. That's before. exactly right. Yeah. This would be the, the, the standard concert B-flat pre-tribulation right. expression yeah. of the end times. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And a good point to bring up. It doesn't, it really, when you put it out, when you lay it out this way, it, that just doesn't make sense given Yeshua's own words. Yeah. I mean, if you look right there in the same chapter that we were studying, there is intense persecution of the faithful. Mm -hmm. That happened before anything even, you know, I mean, so, yeah, I, I know what you mean, mm -hmm. but I think when you have it like this, it's, it's hard to dispute the, when you're just looking at the scripture. I tend to think that everything of godliness is hard to dispute when you're just looking at the scripture. Mm -hmm. I think there, uh, therein lies, as James says in chapter 3, a more arduous and awful judgment for teachers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, the master... Uh, God himself was, was pretty, uh, through his prophets, pretty tough on the priests who did not yeah. teach and, and, and give the word of God. They, 
and so forth. So um, Jeremiah had been chosen, um, evidently from birth, to, to handle and fight against and stand against, sometimes in, in a miry pit, um, against these priests. And that's uh, something I'm glad he was chosen for, not me. Okay, so... I'm in Revelation chapter 11, if you'll open your Bibles. Any other comments on the timeline? Review. Number two. Great. We'll have a timeline review number three coming up after uh, the next lesson. Um, but we do need to finish, only because Joshua wants me to, um, lesson eight. Which, again, we started over a month ago. We're not doing F. Sir? We're not doing eight F. We're not doing an A F, yeah, or a G. We're we're uh, we're picking up right now. Um, then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, "The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Messiah, and He, that is the Messiah, shall reign forever and ever." And the twenty-four elders who sit on the thrones before God fell on their faces, faces and worshipped God, and so on and so forth. And in 19, God's temple in heaven was opened, and believe it or not, the Ark of His Covenant was seen within His temple. How is that possible, please? Oh, it's the original. The one that Moshe was told to make was made, this, we're in this portion, these past two, three portions. The one He made was according to the pattern he saw on the mountain when heaven came down. Heaven came down and looked. Okay. Mm -hmm. Flashes of lightning, rumblings. You could have come in with the uh, harmony there. Uh, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. Not your normal hail, hail but heavy hail. And uh, then we've got this and that, or war arose in heaven. I'm just looking for my seals. Where are the seals? I'm sorry, I keep saying seals, but I mean... Bowls. You mean bowls. I'm looking for the bowls. Looking for the bowls. There we have the, uh, by the way, if you were wondering where that angel is, Revelation 14, 6, I saw another angel flying directly overhead, an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And we're keeping going. Go ahead, Josiah. Tell me where to go. Verse, oh, sorry, chapter 16. Of course it is. Chapter 16. And I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, go pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So this is a, an, interesting, uh, an interesting phrase. So there, there have been some phrases that have guarded our placement of the things on this timeline. So Scott, I'm going to ask you to try and I didn't prep you for this, but if you would help me to come up with some more than the ones that come to my mind right now. One is the wrath of God. And the scripture is very clear. As believers in Messiah Yeshua, the wrath of God no longer rests on us. In fact, that is what is called <clears throat> salvation. We've not been saved from our sins. We've not been saved from hell. We've been saved from the wrath of God. The wrath of God no longer rests upon us because we're in Messiah Yeshua. That's one of the things here that has guided who's, 
who's the player in charge in, in these various parts? Is it this anti-Torah man? Hmm. We don't I see. Don't get this whole gender thing. Throw these things away. <laughs> <laughs> we don't see God in charge of the persecution. We see that the Master tells his apostles very clearly and his disciples, you will be persecuted. You will have a really tough time. You are going to find yourself in great tribulation. Mm -hmm. When we get to the wrath of God, not the wrath of the Satan, mm -hmm. that doesn't apply to us. So mm -hmm. if we've got a clear understanding that at least for sure, right here, you can argue with me about what happens when, but I can guarantee you, if we're mentioning the wrath of God, there is no believers on that planet. Can't happen. Not possible. Do you, can you think of some other things that have uh, um, guided our placement? Uh, we've got Daniel laying out uh, time frames for the seven-year period. We've got uh, we've got uh, a group coming out of great tribulation, and the Master brings that forward, right? Daniel Daniel gives us a big one. That, that the uh, the sacrifice stops in the middle of the week. In the middle I mean, of the you week. can have a more explicit time frame right. with something associated with it. Yeah, if you're looking for timing markers, that's one of the best. One of the ones that Scott and I found uh, was most overlooked, and we still, you know, if you're going to hold the sneezes in, it's going to blow out the back of your head one day. If you get that on my books, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to get all of it. You know what I'm saying? So um, one of the things that uh, timing markers that we found uh, studying the sign with Robert Van Campen was uh, in Daniel chapter 12. Because for the first and the only time in the Word of God, you go past 1260 days. 1260 days, three and a half years, 42 months. Time, times, and half a time. But in Daniel chapter 12, it talks about uh, him being blessed who makes it to the 1290th day. 30 more days after this seven-year period. What's going on there? I don't know. That's a different class. I'm looking for sequence. So that's a, that's another good thing. Um, the fact that the master talked about persecution of his elect and said, "See, you won't be surprised because I told you ahead of time." Right. Um, the idea that you can see the seasons out in my backyard and know what to plant and when to plant and when you can pick your fruit. In the same way, you should know what's happening with regard to the end times. These are the types of things that have been used to guide us in how we're placing this out, other than simply reading the plain, unadulterated scripture. Find it, have another one in your head? The, uh, yeah, the... Uh The appearance of the multitude. The, these these are the ones who came out of the great tribulation. The, the, so the, the writer doesn't even know who they are and has to ask. And the, the fact that they came out of the great tribulation means that a great tribulation must have started beforehand. Correct. Mm -hmm. So that the evacuation of these saints 
took place after a great tribulation had Amen. started. Amen. Contrary to the pre-trib. That's yeah. right. And then finally, um, as most Presbyterians, hard Presbyterians would tell you, uh, Ezekiel's chapter 37, 38, talk about the building and uh, uh, order and actions and day-to-day -day flow of the third temple. Most Presbyterians would tell you that that is absolutely completely spiritual and will never be built here on this planet. And yet what is, what is one of the strongest reasons that most Orthodox Jews do not believe that Yeshua is the Messiah? He didn't rebuild the temple. He didn't rebuild the temple. Well, why is that important? Because the Messiah will rebuild the temple, and according to Ezekiel, he's going to have Gentiles helping him do it. Mm -hmm. Because the world is going to be so turned on its head from what we know today, that Jews are not only revered, but Gentiles assist them in their faith. And I would argue that a little bit of that is going on right here, right now, right here in River City. Given that the Jews believe that the Messiah will rebuild the temple, is this possibly one way that the anti-Torah man curries their favor? Because we know sacrifices are taking place. And if he is able to get some type of a structure put in place that allows the sacrifices to take place, then that would seem to be what? part of the big deception that allows yes. them to enter into that the covenant with seems, death. That, that seems so Bible. It almost seems like, you know, like I up. think what we've been told um, and what we've, at least what I've thought of, like just coming from a Christian background is yeah. like the Antichrist is just going to stand out. He's just going to be this wicked guy. Da, da, da. But what if he's pretending to be Mashiach? Yeah, yeah. What if, like you're saying right there, it's like the Jews think this is the Messiah? Well, what you, do you think Isaiah, about? He's, he, and he's, that's how they're deceived. He, he does a slam dunk on them, and, and I think Scott's got a point. If, that, if you're not only going to allow them to start the sacrifices up, which, you know, in a vegan world, holy cow, are you nuts? Yeah. Right? But then also letting Jews do that, they're not, they're not even allowed to pray on the Temple Mount. The, the, the whole idea of the deceiver has always been really interesting because you're right. You always get this picture of someone that is just like so wicked and evil, but then yeah. it's like, man, he knows scripture really well. Yeah. I mean, the deception of Yeshua in the wilderness, that whole thing was just a bunch of quoted scripture, basically. Yeah. They're going back and forth, like literally debating the word. And so yeah. it is not, I mean, it, it seems more than likely that, yeah, he is, the reason he is such a deceiver is because he can talk the talk really well. Again, what did Paul say? Paul said he masquerades as an, an angel, angel of light. light. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and those who those who serve him masquerade as messengers of light. Exactly. exactly right. you know. So I, I think that's just a watchword for us. We'll call it a night now because it's getting late. Um, but I, I do think it, read chapter sixteen. It's the back end of uh, lesson eight. And just, I mean, it's almost one verse per bowl. And it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. 
Um, but I, I wanted to, I want to encourage you that you've been told ahead of time, and you should not be deceived. the The day should not come upon you like a thief in the night, because you've read the Word of God, and that's the only reason for us to do this. It's not so you can whip out some chart when you're at a cocktail party, you know, or you can, right? Or, you know, because we all go to cocktail parties where people are looking for me at times. Those are the only ones I get invited to. Um, but rather that it would change your lives uh, to the point where you recognize the things happening around us. Um, there is such a small amount of the book of Revelation that talks about a sign on the hand or forehead or uh, 666 and stuff like that. It is such a very, very small part of the book. And yet, the unveiling, the revelation, is of Messiah, not the anti-Torah man. So we need to understand what his plan is, what he is doing, whose we are, and how we should act. So I'd just like to read you, as we close, uh, Isaiah chapter 26. Um, just sit back and listen and relax. And just see if it has, if you can kind of place this and see if it has anything to do with the study we've had so far. Um, of course, I, I'd ask you to uh, remember the, the beginning birth pains that uh, the Master refers to in uh, Matthew chapter 24. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Yehuda. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. For he has humbled the inhabitants of the height, the lofty city. He lays it low, lays it low to the ground, cast it to the dust. The foot tramples at the feet of the poor, the steps of the needy. The path of the righteous is level. You make level the way of the righteous. In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. If favor is shown to the wicked, he doesn't learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness, he deals corruptly and does not see the majesty of the Lord. O oh Lord, your hand is lifted up, but they don't see it. Let them see your zeal for your people and be shamed. Let the fire of your adversaries consume them. O Lord, you will ordain peace for us, for you have indeed done for us all our works. O Lord our God, other lords besides you have ruled over us, but your name alone we bring to remembrance. They're dead. They won't live. They're shades. They won't rise. To that end, you have visited them with destruction and wiped out all remembrance of them. But you've increased the nation, O oh Lord. You've increased the nation. You're glorified. You've enlarged the borders of the land. O oh Lord, in distress, they sought you. They 
poured out a whispered prayer when your discipline was upon them. Like a pregnant woman who writhes and cries out in her pangs when she's near to giving birth, so were we because of you, O Lord. We were pregnant, we writhed, but we've given birth to the wind. We've accomplished no deliverance in the earth, and the inhabitants of the world have not fallen. Your dead shall live. Their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake! Sing for joy! For your dew is a dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead. Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until the fury has passed by. Pass over. For behold, the Lord is coming out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. And the earth will disclose the blood shed on it and will no more cover its slain. In that day, in that day, the Lord with his hard and great and strong sword will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent. Leviathan, Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will slay the dragon that is in the sea. In that day, a pleasant vineyard singeth it. Wow. It kind of fits nicely once you've studied what's going to happen. <laughs> Just go in your chambers and uh, pause for a minute while the fury passes by. Wow. You want to pray for us? No, you pray. No, no, brother. <laughs> you pray for us. I'll be blessed for it. <sighs> okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Father, for uh, rising us each day. We thank you, Father, for health, well-being, sound mind and body. We thank you, Father, for the families, for the wives, for the children that you have blessed us with. Mm. Uh, we ask you, Father, uh, that you forgive us for our shortcomings, for our flaws, that you overlook our transgressions, uh, whatever they may be. We ask, Father, for continued zeal for your word. We ask you, Father, for continued um, passion, Father, and zeal for Yeshua. We ask you, Father, uh, that, you, that you carry us, mm. that you surround our homes, that you fill our mm. homes with your angels of peace, that you fill us with discernment, that you help us, Father, and guide us into the wisdom, Father, to lead our households and those around us, Father, to your truth. In this time of spiritual darkness, Heavenly Father, Yah, we ask for your blessing. We ask you, Father, for uh, we ask you, Father, for your hand. We ask you, Father, that you heal the sick in our community. We ask, Father, that um, those who may have turned away. We ask, Father, that you rest in their hearts, that that, that love rests in their hearts, that they never forget, mm. even though they have strayed just for a moment. We ask, Father, that you never forget them and the works they have done. Heavenly Father, Yah, we thank you so much uh, for Yeshua. We thank you so much, Father, for the oneness that you represent. We thank you, Father, for the unity that you represent. We thank you, Father, for the example that you have set for us and the brotherhood and sisterhood that we have here in this community. We are so thankful. 
We ask you, Father, that during these times and during these ages, Father, that our hearts and our minds stay steady. Yes, Father. We now ask, Father, for your hand of blessing upon uh, those who have given birth in our community. We ask that you keep them in good health. Uh, we especially ask this, Father, for Juliana and, and Joshua. We ask, Father, for healing in their house. Mm. We ask, Father, um, that you continue uh, to bless us and to bless our community. Uh, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Ben Dawid, do we pray and we ask you for these things. Amen. Amen. Amen.